Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Oh, yes. A little extra spring in the step today. Back and better than ever. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests all across the program today on the Shell Pinzoil Performance Line. Heather Dinich will join me in just a minute with the very latest from the Big Ten. We got Damian Woody today. We got Tim Legler on the basketball. We got my old friend Mike Tirico on everything because he can talk about everything. But only one place for me. We'll get to the Clippers. I promise we will spend plenty of time this morning on the disaster that befell the Clippers in the bubble, not just last night, but over the course of the last week. That is a monster story. And we would have spent almost all of this morning on Get Up talking about that and talking about Bam Adebayo's block. But then came the news that so many of us have been waiting for, and certainly those of us who went to school in the Big Ten. It is time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. The Big Ten is coming back to play. The weekend of October 23rd and 24th, the Big Ten conference teams will play. They are hoping to play an eight-game season over the course of eight weeks, leaving themselves absolutely no wiggle room. The ninth week, here's the way I'm understanding the plan, and Heather will have all the details on this, but I've been reading the notes here all morning long, and I have a whole file filled with them here as it continues to come in. The plan is that every team in the conference will play a ninth game. The team that finishes first in the East and the first in the West will play each other. That will be the Big Ten championship game. The team that finishes second will play the team that finishes second and third against third and so on and so on. So that's the plan. So the Big Ten championship game will feature the winners of the Big Ten East and the Big Ten West. And I don't know how big a deal this is to everyone across the country, but I can tell you to people in the Midwest, this is everything. And to those of us who are alums of the Big Ten conference, this is exciting. And I hope it's wonderful. I have told you from the very beginning of the coronavirus pandemic, if you've watched television in the morning and seen me on Get Up or since I started this show in the middle of August, I am not going to sit here and tell you what I think anyone should be doing relative to the coronavirus because I don't know. And I'm counting on the fact that the people who make important decisions relative to this have all kinds of information and all kinds of data that I don't. And I will say I trust the people involved. There's at least one university president in this that I know very well, and I, I trust him implicitly. I entrusted him both literally and figuratively with, with the life of my daughter. So you can't trust a person any more than I trust some of the people, and I think at the end of the day, all of the people making this decision. And I genuinely do not believe, and I don't consider myself to be a naive person, I genuinely do not believe that this decision would have been made in the Big Ten, where they were willing to sacrifice all of the money, all the money that comes with this, in the interest of the safety and health of the players and others. So I genuinely believe that that is what's changed, and they now believe they can do this safely. And I'm seeing people suggesting on Twitter and other places, I mean credible people, that it is very possible that the people playing football, the players, will be safer in the scheme of things through this fall, than the other students who are on campus. So I'm going to view this as a positive step. I'm going to view this, I'm going to assume that this is safe, that all of the I's have been dotted and the T's have been crossed with regards to that, and that we can simply sit back and celebrate the fact that football is going to be played. That's the way I'm going to approach this until I have some reason to approach it otherwise. And taken in that context, this is magnificent news. I love the Big Ten. 
I love the Big Ten Conference, and I love that they will try and get a season in with a chance for someone to play for the national championship. The plan is now that that last Saturday, which is December 19th, is when they would have that title game, if you will, and all those other plus ones for the Big Ten Conference that I just told you about. And the following day, December 20th, is the day that the college football playoff teams will be selected. And the overwhelming expectation is the Big Ten champion will be considered for that. That that will be, if they get in eight games in the conference and then play a championship game, that that will be considered a sufficient schedule. So that whether it's Ohio State or Northwestern, I can dream, or whatever other school it might be, will get its fair shot in there with Clemson and Alabama and Oklahoma and whoever else winds up standing at the end. To me, this is fabulous news. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. And the most important thing I can say about it is that what we came out of all of this learning is just how much this means to so many people. Like I've always said, I place a disproportionate amount of significance on sports. Maybe this experience has taught me that I'm wrong. This is incredibly important for all of these people, I think. And you look at the way the players reacted. Look at the players who never stopped begging to play. Look at the parents who created these little protests. How much of a difference that made? I don't know. We probably will never really know. You've got some self-serving lawmakers out there who I think uh, tried to make suggestions here. I'm not even including them. I'm talking about people. I'm talking about players and their families and the coaches and all these people for whom this is something bigger than just games. And what I'm reminded of is the special that I did two years ago on September 11th for ESPN. And I opened it by saying that the really, really important games in sports history are memorable, not for who won or for who lost, but simply because they were played at all. And that's kind of the way I feel now. Whatever happens in this season, throughout the college football season and everything else, it will be memorable because they played it, particularly now in the Big Ten, where it seemed for these kids as though this had been taken away, was being taken away. And in fact, I put it in the past tense. It had been taken away. And now it's back. So I'm thrilled for them. I'm thrilled for all the people for whom this is their lives. Guys, you'll let me know when Heather is ready to go because I want to get her in here and I want to make sure we have plenty of time to talk about the basketball because the events in the bubble last night were unbelievable. But Heather Dinich has been on top of this story for me and she was terrific on TV and she will join me in a moment. I I believe she's on SportsCenter right now on television and as soon as she's done there, she will call in here and she'll be able to provide you with all the details. I will mention to you that I'm Greeny and I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. Quoting home insurance just got easier with Progressive's home quote explorer quote and buy all online at Progressive.com. Is Ohio State as good as any team in the country? I think so. You know what else this does? There's so many football pieces to this story. And it's so much fun to talk about football when it comes to the college football season. We've done very little of that on TV or here because it's all been about safety protocols and all that. And I get it. All those things are a billion times more important. But now if they're going to play, it comes down to this. In the AP preseason rankings, and we joked about that first poll because Ohio State wasn't playing, but Ohio State was ranked number two behind Clemson. And Ohio State has Justin Fields, who now will get his shot to prove that he shouldn't be the second quarterback taken in this year's draft, but the first. And I'll tell you what that makes me think of. The whole tanking for Trevor thing. I 
I'm old enough to remember when they were tanking for Teddy. Teddy Bridgewater didn't wind up being the first quarterback taken the year he came out. Everyone was tanking for Teddy. And then his senior year happened. And he wound up being the third quarterback taken behind Blake Bortles and Johnny Manziel. I remember when they were sucking for Sam. Sam Darnold wound up not being the first quarterback taken that year. He wound up being Baker Mayfield. I remember when they were tanking for Tua. Tua Tungavailoa didn't wind up being the first quarterback taken his year. Joe Burrow did. So stranger things have happened, or at least things just as strange, as Trevor Lawrence not winding up being the number one pick in next year's draft. Right now, it feels like a lock, a shoe-in. And if I had to bet on it, I would bet it will still happen. People are talking about him the way they talked about Andrew Luck and John Elway, the greatest prospects ever. But let's keep an eye on Justin Fields. Justin Fields is a terrific player. And I'm told that Heather Dinich is ready to go, and she is a terrific reporter. Heather, since last we spoke a couple of hours ago, Heather with me on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line, our college football insider extraordinaire. Heather, just catch everybody up who has not heard all of the news. Just basically take it from the top. Where are we as of right this minute with the Big Ten and its return to football? Sure. The Big Ten has announced that it is going to return on the weekend of October 23rd, 24th. They are going to play nine games. It'll be an eight-game schedule. And on the ninth weekend, on December 19th, when the Big Ten will play its conference championship game, it's interesting. It's unique. It's not just the top teams in the East and the West. It's going to be the number two teams in each division, the number three teams, the number four teams, and so on down. Barry Alvarez, Wisconsin's athletic director, was in part in charge of the the subcommittee that determined that schedule. So that will be unique for them, but there is no margin for error, which is why, Greeny, the testing is so very important. And it's the biggest difference between now and the last time these presidents got together and they voted to postpone the season. They will have rapid daily testing. And Dr. Borchers from Ohio State, who has been integral in getting the Big Ten back from the medical aspect, said that he is very, they think they're very likely to reduce infectiousness inside practice and game competition to near 100%. He said we can never say 100%, but we feel very confident that they can make the practice and competition environment as risk-free as possible with this testing. I know they were having a Zoom as I was getting set to come on, so I didn't get to watch it. I'm sure you were involved in it. What, if anything, did they say about the lack of wiggle room, which is to say, for those to be clear, they're playing eight games in eight weeks, and then that ninth one and that, that Heather just described, and then the following day is when the college football playoff teams are supposed to be chosen. So if you have an outbreak here, there, or somewhere else that causes teams to miss a week or two, they leave themselves no room here, it would seem, for error. What did they say about that? Well, they didn't, honestly, they didn't address it too much specifically. There were, there were a lot of, there was a, mil, a million questions, as you, as you might imagine. But sure. it also has to be pointed out that everyone could possibly have uneven scheduling, right? There's no guarantee that the SEC, ACC, or Big 12 are going to get through all of their games. It's quite possible that the selection committee is going to have its biggest headache ever because everybody's going to play uneven even more than it normally is. So I think that's sort of a a to-be-determined as the season unfolds, real-time scenarios. Um, But as for what they said on the call, Barry Alvarez, Wisconsin's athletic director, he talked about, the next couple of weeks just he thinks that they will have enough time to physically prepare to get ready for this season and they haven't put out the schedule yet do we know when they will alvarez said he expects it sometime later this week 
Okay, and again, the game is set to start October 23rd and 24th. One more for you, Heather. Is there any question in your mind but that the Big Ten champion will be considered for the college football playoff? If, if everyone gets to play a reasonable number of games, as you told me on television this morning, that the other conferences will have to vote to approve that. Is there any question that the other conferences will vote to approve it? I, well, un- until I actually have it confirmed and nailed down, <laughs> there's always a sliver of a question. But my, my gut says no, Greedy. I, I think it's going to be fine. I think the Big Ten will certainly be in. But I have reached out to CFP Executive Director Bill Hancock this morning to absolutely 110% confirm that. But they, they should be they should be considered. All right. I have a feeling I'll be ruining a few more of your mornings over the next few days. But fantastic work on this, Heather. Thank you very much. And I'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Thanks so much. All right, that's Heather Dinich, who again had the news with us right off the top of our 9 o'clock hour this morning, and we got her reaction and Paul's reaction, Paul Feinbaum, and then we had Desmond Howard on and Jalen talking about it. It is an enormous day, and it's an enormously big deal. And again, so long as they can do this safely, then I think it goes without saying that not only is it the right thing to do, but it is a fabulous, fabulous event for everyone involved. Uh, I am Greeny, inviting you to download the DraftKings app and use the code Greeny. You get a free shot at millions of dollars that are up for grabs this week with your first deposit. A minimum $5 deposit is required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. So that is the wonderful news. Then we get to the news that is far less wonderful. There's really no other way to say it. What we saw over the last week from the Los Angeles Clippers in the bubble is one of the greatest choke jobs the history of American sports. I take no pleasure in saying that. It is one of the phrases and terms in sports I use the least because I understand just the magnitude of it and how hurtful it has to be to someone to hear that of themselves. But I'm sorry. When you're up three games to one against a team that you are definitively better than and you have a 16-point lead in game five, and you have a 19-point lead in Game 6. And you lose that series in a Game 7 in which your two superstars, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, combine, combine for 24 points, zero in the fourth quarter. You tell me what it should be called. I take nothing away from the Denver Nuggets. Today should be, I understand why they believe today should be about their accomplishment their achievement, and they deserve all the credit in the world. And Jamal Murray was unbelievable in this series, and he scored 40 points in a Game 7 last night, and Nikola Jokic became the first player ever to have a triple-double in the first three quarters of a Game 7. And those two guys are great, and they will get their spotlight all to themselves now with a crack at LeBron and the Lakers starting Friday. But today, unfortunately, isn't about them. Today is about a Clipper team that was built to win a championship with the richest owner in the sport, one of the richest people in the world, and a legendary coach in Doc Rivers, and and the new immortal in Kawhi Leonard who just carried Toronto over the finish line, and he got his running mate in Paul George, and they put together the deepest roster in the NBA. This was a team that was built to win this championship. And the bubble isn't an excuse for anybody else, so it can't be an excuse for them. These teams went there to win, and the basketball has been spectacular. The, pl- the level of play in the bubble has been extraordinary. And we said it before they went back there. The great leaders 
are going to find ways. And that's why you see LeBron where he is. What happened to the Clippers? And how do they come back from this? Guys, do we have Kendrick ready to go? I want you to hear what Kendrick Perkins said this morning on Get Up. This is basically the opening of our show. I showed the Clipper highlight. We played a little post sound from Paul George and from Doc Rivers. And then I said, Kendrick Perkins, what is your reaction to what happened to the Clippers? Do we have it, guys? Let's play that. Let's, let, yeah, let's play. Ken- this was Kendrick Perkins this morning on the Clippers. They're the biggest front runners in NBA history. When everything is going well, Greeny, you hear them hooping and hollering and, 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 and uh, pounding their chest at their children and wives that, that are in the stands and the virtual fans. But when things get close, Oh man, you could you could you could smell it. You could see it. They heart start pumping Kool-Aid. And I'm looking at this clipper team, man, they couldn't guard a senior citizen at recess in a nursing home. They were horrible on the defensive end. The Denver Nuggets flat out outplayed them. They had the ultimate confidence, and this is one of the greatest upsets in NBA history. There's no way around it. I don't want to hear nothing about chemistry problems. I don't want to hear none of that. This team was built to win a championship, and everybody, everybody except for you and I, Greeny, was talking about, oh, the Clippers got these dogs. But guess what? They do a lot of barking, no biting. Jamal Murray and Big Jokic, they went over the fence and got their ball. They figured the dog was friendly. They started petting the dog. The dog started wagging his tail, and they walked straight out of the front door with their ball and took the dog home with them. And (laughs) on their way out, the Clippers had a sweet potato pie and a bottle of water to give them on their way out the front door. So I don't want to hear nothing about chemistry problem. Now, that was extraordinarily uniquely put, but very well put as well. Big Perk, he's terrific. And I agree with every word he said. This is one that sticks. This is one that stings. And while I don't blame Kawhi Leonard particularly, it sticks to him more than anyone else. Ask yourself this question. If we were to juxtapose this situation, and everywhere we said Clippers today, we said Lakers And everywhere we said Kawhi, we said LeBron. Think what the conversation would be. Think what the conversation would be if a LeBron James team had a 3-1 lead against an upstart group of young players in Denver and blew a 16-point lead in Game 5 and a 19-point lead in Game 6 and he didn't score a point in the fourth quarter of Game 7 as his season came to an end. Think about what they'd be saying today. So that's what happened to Kawhi Leonard. What does it do to Kawhi Leonard's legacy? I don't know. He already wasn't LeBron. He was chasing that. He was, and I suppose continues to chase that. But this is one that sticks. It sticks to Kawhi. And it sticks to Paul George in a big way. Because Paul George's Playoff performances, his history of coming up small in the biggest spots have never been more magnified than they are this minute. This is one of the terrible defeats that we've seen in recent sports memory. This is worse than the Rockets of a couple of years ago. This is worse than anything that's happened to James Harden. Because no matter how good any of that, any of those teams were and how good he is, this Clipper team was supposed to win. And if not now, when? Greeny, the podcast.
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Oh, what a jam-packed week in the world of sports. Everything we expected it would be. With the Big Ten announcing today that they are coming back to play in the middle of October. The Clippers losing in stunning fashion in the bubble. Bam Adebayo making a block last night to preserve Game 1 of the East Finals for Miami. A block that Magic Johnson called the greatest defensive play he's ever seen in the history of the playoffs. And oh, by the way, the U.S. Open golf begins this week. Remember, this is a year, this is a golf season, a golf year, in which there will be six major championships. There will be the PGA next year, there will be the British Open next year, and there will be two Masters and two U.S. Opens. The U.S. Open starts tomorrow at Wingfoot Golf Club, which is outside of New York City and is one of the hardest golf courses in the world. And some will tell me if we're going to get to Rico here or not, because I'll get on to other things in a moment, because Mike is going to join me. He is on site at Wingfoot Golf Club for the 120th U.S. Open this week, working as a host and calling play-by-play during live coverage on Golf Channel and NBC across all four days, Thursday through Sunday. He also does Notre Dame football on NBC and, and among other things. And so I'm interested to hear his perspective on, on the significance of the Big Ten coming back and playing and what role that will have in what ultimately happens in college football. And any of you who remember Mike from his long time at ESPN know that he also did the NBA for us. So I want to get his perspective on the Clippers. So um, guys, you just tell me if, if I'm going there or if I, should, uh, if I should move on to other things. I'm waiting to see if we're able to get that working uh, for Mike Tirico. And again, he is Mike's at Wingfoot Golf, Golf Club, which all anyone so is telling me. He's on the golf course, and we're trying to work on that. So should I just move on to something else here, guys? Just sure, to give not? me a sense. I'm doing this from all. Okay, we're going to move on to other things. So let's get, as I was talking to you for a moment ago about the Clippers, and I told you you can always, one of the many ways you can always reach me is to use the hashtag Greeny. Hashtag Greeny is a good way that you can always get a hold of me. All right, and Tariko is there, so I, I apologize, everybody. Sometimes it gets a little crazy. Let's bring Mike Tariko in again from Wingfoot, the site of this weekend's U.S. Open. Uh, hello, Mike Tariko. So we're, we are uh, obviously, this is the, I hear you, during I hear this time. I Mikey. Oh, you do? Okay, you hear I me. Do, okay, very good. I do, I do. I, we, were, uh, we were somewhere, be- somewhere between FaceTime and phone, but I hear you fine. How are you, pal? I'm great. Thank you. And thank you for doing this. And this was certainly no not problem. the way I wanted to, to introduce my longtime friend. And, and, and <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm barely I'm not even going to have time to tell the funny story about you that I wanted to tell. So let's just get right to business, because I want to ask you about the, the college football. And I want to ask you quickly yeah. about the Clippers. But you're there, as I as I just mentioned, for Golf Channel and NBC's coverage of the U.S. Open. And I am the, the sense I'm getting from everyone there mm-hmm. is that the course is going to play as hard as anything yeah. we've seen in a long time. Fill in some blanks for me. 
Yeah, uh, I, I was just walking the back nine. I walked the front nine and back nine yesterday and just ran into a player who plays on the Corn Ferry Tour. And uh, I'll, I'll leave him nameless for the moment. And he said, for the folks who don't, don't know, that's the AAA to the major leagues. That is the PGA Tour. And uh, I said, yeah, nice par. He's playing a hole in his practice round. And he said, yeah, if I make uh, if I make 72 of those, you know, I'll, I'll make the cut and uh, I'll, I'll make a little bit of money. And I said, if you make 72 pars, you'll be making money off that for the rest of your life. Um, mm. it, 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 it feels like it's a couple over par winning, which is the tradition of the open at Winkwood. Spectacular test of golf. You have to drive it in the fairway. If you miss, the rough is four inches. If you miss by a lot, um, the rough is going to be very penal. You're not going to be able to hit it and knock it on the green from the fairway rough uh, for most of the players. The greens are incredibly slopey and great speed. It's fair, but it is hard. It is the complete examination of everything you do. And if any of the best players in the world are under par, they will have had an incredible week. So that's something we all look forward to. And again, Mike, I will be, you know me, I'll be watching every minute of it with you on NBC and the Golf Channel this weekend. Let me get to, because I, I, last time I saw you, you were on television uh, with Tony Dungy and you were, you were calling the Notre Dame game over yeah. the weekend. And so obviously the big news today that the Big Ten is going to come back and play in the middle of October. How would you put into words the significance of that? And what do you think um, it will mean when we get around, assuming everyone gets to the finish here and everyone can play right. these games when it gets to time for the playoff. Yeah, so, so Mike, I mean, you, you know, we both have kids who are in Big Ten schools. I live in Ann Arbor. Uh, I, I can tell you that there's discomfort just in, the, in what's going on on the campuses and trying to get the kids there. So the football part of this was a little bit tougher for the Big Ten to get to as quick a solution. But I think when you see the ACC and how they're doing it, uh, they've gotten out ahead of this, and they are doing a pretty good job. Knowing the folks at Syracuse, seeing the folks at Notre Dame, dealing with Duke last week, they're testing. The testing seems to be working. They have a plan that the players and everyone else involved have found comfort with. And even at Notre Dame, they had students, faculty, staff, and parents in the stadium. We had a crowd of about 10,000 at the game. So it felt, although very odd, a lot closer to normal than anything else. I think the Big Ten schools had to be there on the testing and understand going on and remember this most of these big 10 schools say northwestern are these massive state schools so you're talking about campus populations of forty thousand. it wasn't as easy as it felt for other places to get there now that they've gotten there they can sneak in a representative conference season crown a champion and be a part of the playoff mix so um look there are no guarantees just because you're getting to the start line that you're going to get to the finish line but at least they found some solution to satisfy this problem yeah, I, I, I agree with everything that you said, and, and I think that assuming everyone feels good about this hate, the, the safety and health, and I don't believe they'd even consider doing it if they didn't, then I right. think this can only be described as great news. A quick final thought I'd love to get from you yeah. on the Clippers. Uh, you know, it, it, the way they lose from up 3-1, a 16-point lead in Game 5, a 19-point lead in Game 6, then Kawhi Leonard and Paul George combined to go scoreless in the fourth quarter of Game 7, and they got knocked out with a team that people have been saying basically for 12 months it was a championship team what what should we be saying about that today it, it's weird you know um you pretty much feel like milwaukee and the clippers are both in that same boat where we're asking okay well what happened it, do you chalk some of it up to the uniqueness of being in the bubble and everything else going on but they had won a series and were up 3-1 so this one feels a little bit different you would figure that leonard or george or both 
would have taken them that extra notch. Usually those game five, game six, game seven, elimination games, your best players just do that much more than the uh, other best players on the other side. And in this case, it was the Nuggets' best players, Mike, that gave that little extra. Now, we know Kawhi Leonard's done it because he did it last year in a championship role, and we've seen Paul George do it in other playoff series. It, it, it's hard to figure. The, the forensics on this will be really interesting, and then to see what the aftermath is. But, look, the, the NBA is living on soap operas now, and this just adds another chapter <laughs> to it, and it makes it even harder because the team that they usually share a building with they've got to figure it out after looking rocky at the start of the bubble here. The Lakers look really good. Um, this is going to be a tough one for Doc and those guys to deal with going forward. There's a little bit of an asterisk and a little bit of a you don't know because of the bubble situation, but, man, this one, this was a head-scratcher. And let's credit Denver. You know, we live in a society where we want to just rip the team. Credit Denver for coming through a couple of times here, down 3-1. I, I, I walk away so impressed with Mike Malone and, and that group. That, that's a tremendous second time in this month comeback for them. It's well said. Again, Mike Tirico's at Wingfoot, and across the next four days, he'll be calling the play-by-play and hosting on Golf Channel and NBC coverage of the U.S. Open. Mike, I have to run. Thank you. Let's do it again soon. Be well. Enjoy the games this weekend. Anytime. Sorry it was a tough connecting here, but always great to hear your voice, pal, and congrats on the new gig. Thank you so much, my friend. I will tell you a fun Mike Tirico story as we continue here. Obviously, that wasn't we weren't able to get that uh, connected the way that we wanted to. But I do have good Mike Tirico stories that I will tell you. Up next, however, I have to go live to what has to be the happiest place in America. Greeny, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I think I told you I would take you to what has to be the happiest place in America today. That place is Columbus, Ohio, home of the outstanding Ohio State Buckeyes and of one of their best alums and one of my favorite people, Bobby Carpenter, who joins me on the Shell Penzel Performance Line. Congratulations, Bob. You know, thanks, Michael. It's great to talk to you in person. It's been a while, but it's exciting. It's been a, a long road, if you will, but I think everybody in Big Ten country is happy to see this happen for these kids have the opportunity to play should they so choose. Give me a sense of, of what role you think the public pressure played in this. It came from so many places, from the players, from the coaches, from various politicians, um, from families. How much to what degree do you think that is the reason we are where we are today? I think it's a huge reason, and, and much to the chagrin of the presidents of the universities. I think they made a premature decision, and then they're very intelligent people. They're highly educated, and so no one wants to kind of walk back and admit they made a mistake. And sometimes that's the best part of leadership is admitting that you made that mistake and maybe you were a little premature once you saw the other conferences not following and so as, as you look at the whole scenario in total, I think that there were you know, members of the local government in these different states, you know, state legislatures, uh, congressmen, all trying to pull together to saying, hey, this is a massive impact, not just psychologically for our states and our communities, but also economically, even if we can't have fans in the stands, 
you know, the spending on game day is going to be up. That'll help local businesses. That'll help drive tax dollars. And so I think that they had a big piece. And then also, you know, Mike, you grew, you've been in the public eye for a long time. You know, professional athletes, they're in the public eye for a long time. You know, you live in social media. You see it when people are critical of you did this or you did that. And you, you, you never really enjoy it, but your skin thickens a little bit to it. And you get used to it. These university presidents have never really been a part of that. You know, they're used to ribbon-cutting ceremonies and opening new buildings and announcing these great research developments. Never does anyone criticize them for a call they made on third down or a play they didn't make. And so I don't think that they were fully emotionally prepared to just be bombarded once there was a, a crack in the door where, well, it's not a consensus. Nebraska wants to, and it turned out Ohio State did, and Iowa and some of these other schools weren't really communicated with up and down the level. And then there's instant testing available, which provides a new avenue to be able to provide player safety. Then you had the parents, you know, picketing and boycotting and these players saying things and coaches going back. And I ultimately think, Mike, that the tidal wave became so big that they began staring at it and looking at some of the issues they had on their other campuses. It's like, listen, if we can get this done safely, this is one less thing we have to deal with. And hopefully it'll be a positive reminder of some of the great things our university does. Yeah, safely, obviously, is the operative word here. And as I've said all along, I I don't have any more knowledge about that than anyone else does. But the one thing I do have is confidence that they wouldn't do this if they didn't think they could do it safely. So, Bobby Carpenter with me here on ESPN Radio. Let me ask you a get-up kind of question. (laughs) With the Bengals and the Browns playing each other and kicking off the NFL weekend tomorrow night, rank the three quarterbacks in the state of Ohio for me right now in order, one through three, Justin Fields, Joe Burrow, and Baker Mayfield. Oh, goodness. You, you're, you're the devil, Green. I mean, that is, <laughs> that is brutal, sir. That is a brutal question. I think if you polled public sentiment right now in the state of Ohio, Justin Fields would be number one. Um, based upon their play and the last thing people remember from Justin Fields, how he did throw the interception, I think people would probably rank it Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, and Baker Mayfield, based upon what they've seen recently. And it, it wouldn't feel all that good to say that, but there's obviously a lot of positive energy about Ohio State. Joe Burrow looks pretty good. I mean, for a rookie, you know, he didn't lose you the game. He puts you in a position to win it. You got a bad call, and you, you got to miss essentially almost an extra point with a short field goal. And then, you know, Baker struggled mightily. So with all of those things kind of swirling around, you know, I think that that's probably where it would go. That's a brutal question. I understand it. I put you in a bad spot, but I don't feel bad about it. Bobby Carpenter with me. Let me ask you an easier one then and, and try and remove sort of the, the Buckeye uh, sort of feeling here. I, I said earlier that in recent years, the guy that everyone thought they were tanking for wound up not being the first quarterback taken. Do you think it's a real possibility that after this season is over, Justin Fields supplants Trevor Lawrence as the number one pick in the draft? I think it'll be it's a tough, tough hill to climb for him to get there because Trevor Lawrence you know, had so much momentum behind him, and he's looked really good. I think Trevor Lawrence would have to underperform this season for that to happen, despite how good Justin Fields would play. I mean, maybe if they went head-to-head and Justin just severely outplayed Trevor in the playoffs or in the championship, maybe that would transpire. But I just, you know, when I look at that, I see a possibility for it. But the big thing for Justin coming back, and he's talked about it, that's why you haven't seen him opt out, is he knows the data for one-year starters in college football and how they translate early in their careers into the NFL. And he wanted to get another year of tutelage under Ryan Day to be able to develop so he could hit the ground running when he ultimately got drafted. So he's going to play, right? I've got 10 seconds. He's unquestionably going to play, right? 
I have heard nothing of the sort to be different from that, so I am fully abreast, and I think that he's going to be playing with no restrictions. All right, Bobby, it is always great to talk to you, my man. Thank you. I hope I see you soon, and, and good luck with this thing. It's going to be fun to follow. Absolutely, sir. Thank you. Give my best to your wife. All right, you too. That's the great Bobby Carpenter, who's a, a good friend uh, and, and one of the best college football guys that I know, and obviously right there in Columbus, where they have to be celebrating because that's a championship team. All right, we'll turn our attention back to what happened to the Clippers in a whole lot of different ways next. I'm Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.